HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show was sponsored by Bob's Red Mill, 100% employee-owned and operated and founded on the principle of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, March 29, 2017. This is the 136th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the founder of a new FAB conference, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. And then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be fabulous, but of course, yes, aim to be the best you. Work hard, but always have fun and do what makes you happy, as life is short. Don't worry about what others think and what is apparently cool, but instead, do you. Find your own fabulousness and inspire others to do the same, as that is fab. And that's my tip today. Now, I'm happy to have my fab guest here on the show. It is Randy Weinstein. She's the founder of Fab, a two-day educational and inspirational conference created by women for women in the hospitality industry, taking place June 11th to 13th in Charleston, South Carolina. Working in or around the hospitality industry her whole life, Randy eventually forged the path for the creation of FAB. Prior, she was the director of events for the Charleston Wine and Food Festival for seven years, helping shape the national focus of Charleston's food and beverage scene. So welcome, Randy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here, too, in the studio. 
came up from Charleston, which is awesome. I know, and it's sunny and it's beautiful here. So it reminds me, uh, I'm happy to be home since New York is my home, but uh, it's the weather that I left in Charleston. Yes, and that brings me to my, my first question of, so you grew up in New York, so tell me, tell me about what brought you down to Charleston and how you got into the hospitality industry. Oh, well, in New York, I was, I started working at 15 years old and I started um, doing retail. I was born in a garment center family, but then I wound up kind of separating myself out from that and always working as a front of the house, whether it was managing, tending bar, serving, and um, and hosting. And I just loved having a different stage and setting every night with a different cast of people being your um, your guests in the dining room. No matter what the caliber was, it could be a fast food. I remember working at a chicken place um, to a fish restaurant to anywhere. So it was just always this exciting change of, of people. Um, then I actually wound up being in the garment center, and when I grew up, so to speak. Um, but then I wound up going to Charleston. I got married, and I decided I was going to have a change of life, and I was going to leave New York. It was cold out. I was over the winters. I was over the snow, and I was over the freezing temperatures. And Charleston sounded like a good choice. Yeah, well, I mean that's a big that's a big move, but you you've been down there since, so it was it was a good move. It was a good move. I've been there since 1988, so I've really been able to see Charleston put itself on the map um, all across the board. And when I got there, and we were just talking about this a little bit over a delicious lunch at Roberta's, delicious, delicious, pizza. amazing. And that there was really nothing when I had moved there. My parents thought I was out of my mind and couldn't imagine what attracted me to there. I couldn't actually understand what attracted me to Charleston either. And but I, I remained there. I had gotten divorced and I was going to actually move back to New York. And my son was about um, four years old. And I decided, you know what, life is really nice there. It's you just get to slow down a little bit. You get to really be outside probably 10 months out of the year where it is extremely tolerable. Mm -hmm. There might be two months and that's kind of broken up a little bit. And um, and I decided to stay and really just make it my home. So the landscape of Charleston has changed so much, hospitality-wise, um, infrastructure-wise, growth-wise. It's it's insane what's going on there. Yeah, no, I, I didn't visit until a, a few years ago. I had a client um, down in South Carolina got me down there, and then I was back a year ago for the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, and I, I love Charleston. It's such a charming, beautiful city. How did you get involved with the festival? I was working in, I was working in mental health, and I was pretty much over what I was doing. And I had attended the first year of the festival, and Angel Postel was the founder and director of the festival at that time, and I had this epiphany that I should really be working with the festival. And so I sent an email to her blindly, probably at about five in the morning, and I said, you need to hire me, and I 
gave her all the reasons, and I got this very short email back saying, well, we're hiring contract people in January. No, 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 you need to hire me. And she finally interviewed me, and I had gotten the job. Uh, my own exuberance almost actually lost me the job because I was so excited about it. <laughs> and she sent me home with a stack of notebooks and of things that needed to be done, but the position really wasn't to be started till a month before the festival. So I started without pay for two months because there was so much to be done, and that was it. The bug bit me. I love the craziness. I love the fast pace. Um, I love seeing it all come together or sometimes not come together. But um, and then I stayed on board. I left for a year because there was no money to fund actually a position. And then um, but I always remained in touch with Angel and she's become one of my best friends. So, yeah. And the and the festival grew. I mean, from, tremendously. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's quite a, an amazing, amazing lineup over the weekend of the chefs involved, whether they're based in Charleston or from from elsewhere. I was I was impressed. We have an incredible culinary community in Charleston that really comes together, and for a town that now has four um, James Beard Award winning chefs, and that they are incredible hosts over the weekend, and they really kind of wear that. On their sleeve, and I think that is really what was the impetus. Charleston's just a perfect city to have that festival, the walkability of it, mm-hmm. and then you know, just even the surrounding areas um, where Charleston's on a peninsula. So, whether you're going out to the gardens or whether you're going out to um, out to the Ace Basin, no matter where you're going, it is just you're. It's not something people get to see all the time. So people go in, and it's just, it, they're dazzled. And uh, But the chefs, the wine program, I mean, it's just everything is just grown. But truly, the chefs are our ambassadors, and they love opening up the city and welcoming all the um, other chefs from other different cities. Yeah, definitely. I felt that as someone attending so I saw in your larger bio something about bad bitches. Mm-hmm. What is that? So after I left the festival, I started working as director of operations for Butcher and Bee um, Restaurant okay. and with Michael Shemtov. And he was opening up a couple of other initiatives, and he really needed someone to be able to help. And I came on board with him, and the original chef, Stu Tracy, that was at Butcher and Bee, was going to be leaving and moving to Atlanta. And so for his final dinner, or one of his final dinners, he had an interest in cooking with um, Dano, Daniel Hines, who used to be at McCready's, and Jason Stanhope. And we incorporated Kelly Kleisner in there and to do pastries. And there was another girl, um, Sarah, who was in the kitchen as well. And when the dinner ended, we they had touch base with me a few weeks later and said, hey, Chelsea Conrad, who was working under Stu, had been promoted to executive chef. They said, what do you think about doing an all-female dinner? And I said, I think that would be great. I said, why don't we meet? and discuss how we can do that. I said, because there's so many women that are in the restaurant industry in Charleston, that how are we going to choose? And 
the thought came that I said, you know, we should really look at the progression of women through the decades. And we should see how women progressed out of their home kitchens and really into the industry on a whole. And hence, Bad Bitches was born. And we decided to partner with a local nonprofit, Center for Women, who became our fiscal sponsor. And we wanted to be able to give scholarships out to women in the industry to be able to um, propel them forward in their career. And we didn't want to set one specific amount as we wanted to. Everyone had different needs where $5,000 would be the cap of what a scholarship um, applicant could be awarded. And we had event. Um, Each event was modeled by a decade. And we started with the 50s. And it was the food. It was the music. It was the beverages. It was the decor. And it was even the dress. And it became almost a little cultish that we would put tickets on sale three weeks before. And they'd sell out in an hour. And they weren't large events. The largest event might have been 120 people. So we had, through seven events, I said, you know, listen, if we could raise $20,000 would be amazing. And at the end of the day, we wound up raising $55,000. Wow. Which was (laughs) unreal. So we gave out $30,000 of that money and awarded to 13 different women for different Um, aspects of the community. One was organic farming to chocolate making to a podcast, Southern Fork. Stephanie Burt was the recipient of that to, um, to culinary students. And so it just, and then also for three of the five of the women for different levels of sommelier certification. And it was, and each of them have done incredible. So, and then the rest of the money, we are, myself and Kelly Kleisner are facilitating to be able to develop microloans for women in the hospitality industry. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It was really exciting. Yeah. So your women's initiative, then let's talk a little bit about how you came up with FAB. Uh, was that, I mean, was that something uh, stirring in the back of your mind that you should should do a more women's conference? I think one of the greatest things besides actually giving birth to my son and probably marrying my husband, Vic, if I don't mention him, he would kill me. <laughs> um, Good job. <laughs> thank you. Was being able to award all these women um, scholarships and being able to make that phone call and whether someone had received $395 up to $5,000 was probably one of the most gratifying things that I have had the ability to do and provide. And I loved the fact that we were promoting um, women in their chosen careers and really looking and understanding that hospitality is a career. This is just not something any longer that people use as a stepping stone because they want to be able to work their way through, through college, that people are now embracing this as a chosen career. So as all good things, the three of us that started Bad Bitches, the band broke up, and I really started thinking that if I wanted to, where did I see the future of that? And that is just how FAB wound up being developed, that I felt that if we were giving these women this money to be able to push them forward in their careers, we should 
actually be providing the foundation that is so needed for women to be able to understand before they're even taking on a business. And whether they're going to open a business or not, it just gives them the foundation that they need to make them a more valuable player. It's great. I really love it. Thank you. And we're going to take a little break on that note, and then we're going to come back and talk more with Randy about FAB and what exactly is taking place in Charleston. Before we do, I just wanted to make a little announcement about Heritage Radio Network. So are you a Heritage Radio Network member yet? Membership not only supports the production and broadcast of the show, but also comes with some perks. All current members are invited to our new monthly happy hour series, Books and Brews. Join us on April 12th at Three's Brewing at Franklin and Kent in Greenpoint with host of Eat Your Words, Kathy Irway, and her new book, The Food of Taiwan. Meet other members, snag a signed copy of The Food of Taiwan, and enjoy some beer from HRN business member Three's. Donate at heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate and get your exclusive invite today and on that note we'll take a little break i don't think there's anybody worthy to run this company but the people who built it i have employees who've been with me for more than 30 years and plus Each and every one of them deserves to be an owner. That's just the way it ought to be, and that's just the way it is. This is Bob Moore. He and his wife, Charlie, started Bob's Red Mill almost four decades ago. Today, they offer one of the largest lines of organic whole grain foods in the country. And in 2010, on his 81st birthday, Bob gifted ownership of the company to his employees. I'd received plenty of offers to buy my company over the years. But selling out never felt like the right thing to do. When the time comes to let someone else run this show, I can't imagine selling it to a stranger. Giving the company to my hardworking employees just feels right. The company now has an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, or ESOP. Stock is put in a retirement plan for all of its employees. When employees retire, the company buys back their shares. According to the National Center for Employee Ownership, about 11,000 companies in the U.S. currently run as ESOPs. It just shows how much faith and trust Bob has in us. That's Bo Thomas, the company's engineer and maintenance superintendent. He's been with Bob's Red Mill for over 27 years and has put his four children through college in the process. For all of us, it's, it's more than just a job. And, and obviously, it's the same way for Bob, too. Bob is still very active in the company. He's the president and CEO, and you'll find him working at the mill just about every day. Because when you love something this much, you want to be a part of it. Well, I may have given them the company, but the boss part is still mine. Bob's Red Mill is committed to sharing only the freshest, best-tasting whole grain foods on the planet. Learn more about their mission of good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Randy Weinstein. She's the founder of FAB, a two-day conference for women in the hospitality industry taking place June 11th to 13th in Charleston, South Carolina. I also saw on, on your bio, in your bio, that you were named one of the 50 Southerners of the Year by Southern Living Magazine, which is pretty cool. I know. That was a surprise. <laughs> I didn't know that that was happening. And yeah. then all of a sudden I had to get a headshot. Oh, well, well, if that's what pushed you to get one, great. That's a pretty, pretty cool, cool thing to have in, in your, on your list of things that you could say you've achieved. So a um, northerner achieving. A, yes, even yeah, more so. Even more so. <laughs> so let's talk about this fab conference. Or are you calling it more it's workshops? I know there's, well, you tell me, how would you define what fab so we decided to call it a workshop and that we, um, and I say we, um, I am fortunate enough to be working with someone, my, my large team, um, her name is Hope Troop, and Hope had moved to Charleston in October, right before the hurricane. And she moved and had um, been working in New York and she came down and was very interested in helping and getting Fab off of the ground because she really believed in in what the, what I was trying to pull together. So I decided to um, call it a workshop and have it as two days and to be able to really, um, and without fluff, it is really an educational workshop. And there are two different tracks for women to be able to pursue in it. And I had, before I even delved into starting a website and putting tickets on sale and all that, I was fortunate enough from being in the festival for all those years and making some incredible connections throughout those years, I decided to take the pulse of probably about 50 men and women and say and ask them if what I was doing was crazy and what I was thinking was out of my mind. And looking at some of the other opportunities out there, women chefs and restaurateurs, Cherry Bomb, and there's like a whole host of, and actually in Journey was one of them, Your Journey was one of them. And I decided that there was really no one that was doing just an intensive two-day educational workshop. When you look at the women that are in this industry, not all of them had gone through hospitality or culinary school. And they don't have the basic business acumen that most people do in, in other industries. They don't teach that necessarily in those culinary schools. I think of my husband, you know, they don't teach bedside manner when you're in medical school. I mean, those are just certain things that you have to learn. They certainly don't teach business in medical school either. So I decided to, and everyone, all 50 of these people decided that I had this great idea. And so I wound up actually doing this kind of brain dump of a curriculum. And that really is what it is. It's more like a curriculum. And starting with the business of it and starting with the setup of it and going into HR and understanding about HR and what is comprised of that. The business actually is comprised of putting together a business plan and talking about investors and brick and mortar and, you know, all the different things that you sit there licensing and really not heavily getting into some of those things because they change from, from state to state. 
But, you know, those things and the rest of the workshop is meant to almost be a checklist. I want people to, I don't want people to walk away from this and say, gosh, that little corner place that I was thinking of, I think I'm so ready for it now. I really want it to be more one of those holy shit moments that this is really serious, that this is so much more than I ever thought, that just because I possess a certain talent doesn't necessarily mean that I'm ready to open up a business. So I decided that I want to do two tracks, one for the woman that was um, is working in the industry and might want to open up a business one day. For the woman that has no interest at all, but it will make them more valuable player where they are or be able to leverage them to be able to move on and either or stay where they are and be able to um, dig in a little bit deeper or be able to um, move themselves up in their career for from the house managers to um, to become operations people. For PR people to really understand their clients better and what their struggles are as they're opening up a restaurant and then also be able to use this almost as some tools to be able to give their clients. So that's really kind of like the first set and it's track 101 for lack of a better term. But I didn't want to leave out the women that were able to make it and navigate through those treacherous waters and establish a and own a restaurant of their own. So I developed another track that was going to be smaller, probably a little bit more thoughtful in conversation relating to topics that are relevant now and then with a nod towards the future. But I also felt that there is going to be so much cross conversation within that group of almost the struggles. It's not a self-help But I think that there's going to be a lot more conversation within that group opposed to the 101 where I think it's going to be a lot more content that people are taking in. About how large are these is the the people attending the workshops going to be? Because I'm um, the way you're describing it is as a workshop that it's more conversational and you you get to I mean the lineup also we have talked about the lineup of people you have involved they're yeah. incredible leaders many based in New York City um, who I know so. I know I'm like why am I, why aren't <laughs> I doing this in New York I'm schlepping 17 people to uh, to Charleston no I was I yeah no it's impressive but yeah so so talk a bit about the size of the different workshops and then also I know you have have these dinners set up and you're incorporating that aspect and having conversations with people over fabulous Charleston food. Exactly. Can't leave the food component out. So the 101 track, I see that being a larger track at um, about 175 people to be able to take part in that. Um, What I decided with these tracks is that I didn't want people also choosing you know, should I go and having having things going off at the same time? Sh- like, do I choose set up mm-hmm. a business or do I choose HR? But they're both at nine o'clock, and I didn't want people having to choose it. So, all you have to do is sign on to a track, and then you actually go through everything. So you're getting the complete content of of each of these tracks. Um, the two o two track I see more as about sixty people being able to come together and assemble for that track. Again, a smaller group Mm -hmm. um, of women doing that. And the other thought that I had was I wanted each of these speakers to be able to 
or the attendees, I should say, to have more intimate conversations with the um, speakers that are coming in. So I contacted um, 17 different restaurants in Charleston and asked if they would be willing to host a speaker or two and to come up with kind of a price-fixed dinner and where they range in price anywhere from $35 to $150. And, um, and you will be able to sit at a table, if you want, with Dana Cameron, let's say, and um, at a table of eight and be able to really have that quality time that people would love to, or whether you want to talk to Elizabeth Meltz about sustainability and in what she has been able to do for the Battaglia organization and food safety. So, you know, people are going to be hopefully coming to this workshop with different levels of interest that they really want to be able to acquire and be able to meet a whole array of women that are coming in. Yeah, no, it's it's great. When I was looking at the lineup, I was, I mean, in my ideal world, it would be I would want a four-day conference and to be able to go to all of it because... Because it, 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 it all, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a, a food geek when it comes to that stuff. Like, I like I like learning and the people involved. As you said, you had Dana, you have uh, Alice Chang from um, Culinary Agents, mm-hmm. and and uh, we were talking about Sam Appel from Your Journey. Lots of lots of people, some base from, the, as you said, 17 from New York, and, and other places, too, with exactly. a lot of experience. So, um, and then... I know you've also been doing, you're working on a pop-up here in Brooklyn. Yes. As a component of it. Yes. What's what what's happening there? Well, you were really the impetus in all that. I said, if I'm coming here to do a radio <laughs> show, I might as well make the most of my trip here and have a pop-up. And cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll take credit. <laughs> I know. And um, so we, um, I was talking with um, with Hope, and we decided that we didn't want to take a topic that was going to be really covered at the workshop proper, that we decided to tap into three different people here and be able to, the topic is going to be struggled to success. And the pop-up is sold out, which is wonderful. And it's going to be taking place tomorrow morning. But we have Homa Deshaki from White Mustache Yogurt and, you know, talking about her challenges in just establishing her business and kind of way of San Francisco to, to New York and kind of the different roadblocks that um, that were set up and that she had to navigate through as someone new in the industry. And Kat Kinsman is going to be um, talking about different stress um, that being in this industry and, and trying to open up a business um, and then also trying to all of a sudden you're managing this whole staff of people and just kind of navigating those waters. And then uh, we have Amaret, and I want to say it's Casus. I'm hoping that I get that name right. But um, she um, had a business, two businesses, and she had a restaurant in Williamsburg that she had to close. I'm really thinking that it was going to be the right space and place and time and it just was not. And 
having that very difficult decision to step away from it and how long she wound up hanging on to the to this restaurant. So it's really um, the struggle's real. And but whether it's, you know, going and navigating and finding a way to be able to pursue and do your business or whether it is and the stress that that has on it and then also the stress and the toll that it takes um, on on being having to close a business and knowing that you're responsible also for these other lives that are working for you. So it's going to be an hour long and from 9 to 10 tomorrow morning. That's great. I'm yeah. glad you, you put that together. And it's I think it's important, uh, very important topics, all of everything you're doing. And for people who want to, I'm going to announce at the end of the show, but just for now, for people who want to um, find out more about FAB, what's what's the website and and then what's the price range of these these tickets for these workshops? So the um, the web address is this is fab dot com. Okay. And the two different tracks, track one hundred one is five hundred dollars, and track two hundred two is seven hundred. And the workshops both, I mean, it's like a whole three days. So you look at that price and people are like, oh, my gosh, like it's it has a little sticker shock to it. But I think that when you look to see the welcome reception, the time that you're getting also with um, with all of the attendees and with all the speakers and the lunches and the snacks, I mean, and the hotel that we're going to be using is also doing room shares. So it also makes it a little bit financially um, easier for people to be able to come. Okay. No, I, I think, I think it's definitely a fair price. There's a lot involved that you're giving people. There's a lot. And I think people, you know, I think that whether it's male owned restaurants, female owned um, industries that you have to, especially in the staffing crisis and shortage that people are going through and trying to retain quality people, you have to invest in your team. And I think that so many chefs wind up traveling around and doing festivals and doing different dinners in different cities. You also have to get back to your team and see what it's actually going to then, in turn, bring back yeah. into your business. Yeah. So True. Okay, before we take another break, let me ask you my question I had from my my last guest on episode 135. My guest was Peter Kim. He's the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. So he wanted to know, what museum exhibition would you like to see that highlights the importance of women in the hospitality industry? That's an action-packed question. Well, I have action-packed guests. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I thought about it, and it's very much interesting. As Bad Bitches had taken the progression of women and through the decades, it would be interesting to get a group of women together to almost be able to do a an exhibit of where they see women in the industry right now. And to be able to put in all those components and put in the successes, the struggles, the challenges, and what they feel and what the future is for women in the industry, which would also be interesting to get a group of men to be able to put that same kind of box together and about women and see what they really kind of come up with. Mm, That's interesting. 
And because I do think, as we all know, you know, Venus and Mars, but it is, um, there are different, you know, they work differently. So I think that being able to have an exhibit that can be obviously rotating and be able to go from city to city and even be able to do this at different food festivals that, um, or culinary events that pop up that you can then look at um, both of these kind of together. I think it would be pretty insightful. I agree. Great answer. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to come back and play my speed round game and talk industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Randy Weinstein of Fab Conference. It's time for my speed round game. What this is, <laughs> you're going to like it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to name I'm going to name a few things. It's an either or situation and you just pick your preference. Okay. Here we go. Eat in or eat out. Depends upon where I am. It's a trick question. It's not supposed to be a trick question, but I if love you eating feel home. That way. I love eating home because you get to just unwind and relax. But I love eating out as well. That's a bad question. <laughs> You're not going to like this game. <laughs> I'm not a game girl. <laughs> how about how about wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. All right, you got that one real quick. How about a vodka? Personally, but there you go. All right, tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Kind of both, but I like chef's counter. Okay. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? All-inclusive. Shrimp and grits or she-crab soup? Or any other Charleston (laughs) Southern specialty? Let's go to fish. Fish would be much better. I okay. Don't know. So, fish. Just fish. Um, fresh sheephead, and we have some delicious fish in in Charleston. Um, trout. Okay. Sheephead, um, shrimp. You got it. McCrady's or husk. McCrady's. Two more cheese plate or dessert. You can have a cheese plate for dessert, can't you? Yes, you may. You may. (laughs) (laughs) Last one. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Charleston? I don't know. That's all three. The best of of all worlds. Um, I feel fortunate. New York native, living in Charleston, get to come back home. Mm -hmm. So... And I never really get to Brooklyn, so... Got you here today. Got me here today, so I think it's the best of all three. I'm not, I can't answer okay. that one. 
pleading that's the, the game. That's the game. No, it's it, this game is 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 fabulous. I'll say because every time I I play it with people, it's it's different, and the ones people get stuck on um, varies. So. Uh, that was that was cool. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm not a great game girl. <laughs> no, you did, you did you did good, really good. Okay, so industry news on Eater the other day. There was an article entitled "Dominique Crenn finally makes it onto world's 50 best list, just not the top 50" by Ryan Sutton. So this is referring to the world's 50 best list, which is going to be actually be revealed next week in. In Australia, they're doing the the award ceremony, and uh, it's it's always been noted that it's a very male dominated list. And uh, Dominique Crenn of her restaurant Atelier Crenn made it as number eighty three, which is amazing. Um, last year, Dominique was honored as world's best female chef, and this I mean I always find it timely with my articles and guests. Like this is a perfect article to discuss with you because I mean there's always been this discussion um, there's many female chefs who don't want to be awarded for being female chef they just want to be known as chef and but yet at the same time it's in an honor and and to be to be credited and so anyways this was this was um this was cool for Dominique that she's 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 on the list it's amazing it's amazing. Number 83, that's not shabby at all. No, not at all. Um, when you look at the incredible talent, I mean, this is in the world. So yes. an incredible honor. I have to agree with her in when she was vocal about we shouldn't have to have labels and it shouldn't have to be a female chef. Why can't it just be a chef? And And I agree with that because there shouldn't be a difference between men and women. And then, of course... I can already hear it. We're saying, well, why are you having a conference or a workshop just for women? And you're not being inclusive to men because I think that women can utilize just some extra skills to be able to navigate those waters that are are really dominated by men. But I think as far as when you're talking about talents, and it is not just in the hospitality industry, it's in any industry, that there really should be no differential between a title. And so, I mean, good for her. She works hard. She's incredibly talented. And the, what she's been able to, to bring notoriety-wise is really commendable. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I don't know if I made it clear that um, this list, they revealed the, the winners from 51 to 100, which is why right. we know she was 83. So 1 to 50 is going to be announced next week. Right. And, um yeah, no, congratulations. I think it should it's, be interesting to see who's on that one to 50, one, one to 50. Yeah, this is uh, last year, uh, Ostria Francescana came out as, as number one, and I had just solo dined there, so I was like huh. honored right. um, that I, I had that experience. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see what, what comes about. And um, the other article I had on Bloomberg Pursuits Secrets from the highest grossing restaurant in New York, and this was by Kate Crater. So this is this was talking about Tao and the the Tao Empire, and they're just they're pretty incredible. They're unbelievable. The, the, um, so the the Tao downtown in, in Manhattan, 
said in 2016 uh, grossed $34 million in food and beverage, which is the highest-ranking non-chain restaurant in New York. And it's third and the highest in the U.S., and it's Tau Vegas is number one. So this was trying to reveal the secrets of how they're so successful, and some of the points were that it's a, a, they're a one-stop shop where they have people come in, you go to the bar, you go to dinner, you go to the club, you're, you're there. Um, drinking, uh, the alcohol, it says 50% of sales. Um, I read this whole thing and I still feel like Tao's a mystery. <laughs> like how they, how they bring in, bring, how they grow so much. Well, and then when, when in that article it was also talking about their busiest nights and where, mm-hmm. the, you know, the difference in clientele where it's kind of like the suits come in on the Monday and Tuesday, um, their Wednesday, Thursday are really their busiest nights. Yes. And where they're making the most money, but then the bridge and tunnel traffic. <laughs> yeah, I thought I mean, traffic um, population um, on the come weekend. in, and they don't spend as much. Yeah, that and, was interesting. But their drinks aren't any more expensive than anywhere else. Their average ticket price, I think, was $75, um, which is not right astronomical. Um, so you see how the alcohol is really kind of making up for it. And that's got to be inclusive, obviously, with the club as well, and not just the restaurant. I can't imagine. I think it's all under one umbrella. So right. Um, they were also saying there's different there's different price points and, and, and things for people with different budgets. Right. And they're just really smart restaurateurs. They've been so successful. They're growing their brand more. Um it's 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 an empire. It's an empire, <laughs> but it's also, I mean, it is a smart thing. I mean, it's, it it is everything under one roof, yes. and where you don't have to get back out and try to like get someplace else in the city to go. It's like, oh, we could just do right. everything right here. And they care about their food and noted how they they you know it's good food. It's not they're you know they're not they're not just trying to, you know, take people's money for drinking, but they care They care about the whole experience. Right, right. So, well, good for them. Good for them. <laughs> That's like an incredible, I know a lot of people that uh, that would like to be bringing in half of that revenue. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to take one more break and then come back and do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Fior Uborth Eth. Here's the rundown. The location, Irbrat 3A in Village Stoke Siri, Iceland. The concept, a magical restaurant on the coast known for its Icelandic lobster, otherwise known as langoustines. So why did I go? Well, first of all, I was in Iceland, obviously. And because this specialty seafood restaurant was highly recommended by my peers. My experience. 
I drove about 45 minutes through the snowy, picturesque mountains and fields to find a quaint snowfield small village whose main attraction seemed to be this intimate, low-key restaurant. I parked on Field of Snow, which I guess as a Miami kid I always find fascinating. And I went in, I requested a table for one, and settled in. Then the magic began. What did I get? I went with their three-course menu, which was lobster soup, which again, lobster means langoustines in Iceland, a 300-gram bucket of lobster with garlic and butter served with sides, including cucumbers in vinegar and dill, tomatoes, couscous salad, served with homemade bread and sauces, and the part three dessert, I had homemade meringue cake. My take. Seriously, one of my favorite meals of all time. It was simplistic, but it was just perfect. The soup had layers of death and flavor and had large pieces of the lobster in it. And the bu- bucket of lobster was steaming hot and I dove in. It was just heaven. The, these lobster or langoustines were fresh and flavorful. It was fun to eat with my hands. There was more than I could eat, which was, was, was a big bucket, but it was worth getting. And the dessert was great, too. It was airy and light, and all of their desserts looked delicious. They were house-made. There was this chocolate cake there that... I kind of wish I still got, but <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was amazing. The ambiance, a charming and modest atmosphere with a stunning snow, snowy backyard on the coast with the sun setting in the background. I'd say it's perfect for seafood lovers. Interesting tidbit. According to legend, the soup is magical. Its website says it is the most famous lobster soup in the Republic cooked by chefs tempting the steps naked out of the sea of strike Seri personal fun fact. So this was my first meal in Iceland and I had come from a red eye flight straight from the Blue Lagoon and then drove 45 minutes. So I was hungry. So I don't know if that played a factor, but seriously, I loved I loved this meal. And the restaurant is also 45 minutes from Reykjavik if you're coming from there. The cost was $86 and that's in US. Would I go back? You bet. Their website and I'll spell it is F-J-O-R-U-B-O-R-D-I-D dot I-S. Fjorubareth. It's a mouthful. Yeah. So, but you can, you can Google it and find it. But obviously a good mouthful. When, when in, when in Iceland. So, um, yeah, it was great. Okay. Time for the final question. Next week, my guest is Missy Robbins. She is the head chef and owner of Lilia, a three-star New York Times restaurant bringing the best of Italy to Williamsburg. Missy's going to be at the Fab Conference. She is. And uh, so what would you like to ask her? So, A, I'm extremely excited that Missy is participating. And But the question is, what does she hope to bring to Fab? And what does she hope that Fab attendees will be able to walk away with. Awesome. Thank you. You know, it's, I, I just have to note, growing up, I used to always say fabulous. Like, my parents will attempt, attest to that, that it's like fab was always a word I liked. So I love that you're using fab and that it's it's um, it's your word, too. It is my <laughs> word. And it means so many things. Females in business. Oh. Females are baller. Females are badass. Females are brilliant. I didn't have any of those reasons growing up, even though I, I, I guess I maybe maybe in the back of my mind, but now I do. That's awesome. And if I ever want to include, include men in this, it will become food and beverage. 
Or I was singing boys. (laughs) (laughs) Food and boys. Food and boys. (laughs) Either one works. Either one works. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So, well, I know it's going to be an amazing, amazing two-day workshop. So, um, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations on your whole career and everything you've done. It's very impressive. Thanks. I love what I do. Yeah, I can tell. I do. Because you love what you do, and then you're good at it. Exactly. And it becomes easy. So to be able to help and nurture and shape and mold future people in this industry and give them the tools that they need is is reason enough to be able to put this on. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. So, So, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Coming all the way up to... To Brooklyn, getting out here and doing it live. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Thank you. So my guest today has been Randy Weinstein. She's the founder of FAB, a two-day conference for women in the hospitality industry taking place June 11th through 13th in Charleston, South Carolina. Her website is thisisfab.com. You can find her on social media, on Instagram. It's at thisisfab on Facebook or at the... um, you tell me. Is this is Fab C H S right? And you're at Ran Wine, and I'm at Ran Wine R A N W E I N. Great. My social media media handles are at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks to my engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a live show with Missy Robbins. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. But the seeds